Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going? All is well, man. Everything's good on this end. How, how about you? Yeah, man, same here. Same here, man. I'm going to say uh, go White Sox and go Astros. <laughs> you know, that's how I'm going to start this. <laughs> but, uh, we got a, a young man on the phone. We have... Hold on one second. All right, here we go. I have uh, William Deck on the line. How's it going, my brother? Doing well this evening. I'm glad to be a part of this conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so first question uh, we normally ask William uh, is uh, how many kids you got, what are their ages, and, uh, and what do you do professionally? Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. So um, my wife and I um, have two children. Um, one little boy, um, named after me, so he's William B. Deck III, and then I have a three, uh, almost three-year-old daughter, uh, Sophia, and, um, you know, so they're definitely the, you know, the focus of our lives, and I, I did not already mention my, my wife's name is, is Lauren, and um, what I do is I have my own consulting firm, the name of the, the, the firm is called um, Mind Business LLC, and a lot of the work that I do is really focused in on mindset uh, transformation, or another term is, is mental fitness. And so I uh, started the business just over a year ago, really at the very beginning of the pandemic, kind of seeing some of the early signs of the challenges people were facing personally and professionally with just this entire new, you know, pandemic environment. Um, and I think we've been seeing how it's been impacting children, um, the elderly, pretty much everybody across the world has been touched by this. And so thinking about ways to provide um, tangible yet intangible tools on how to really help to mentally and emotionally navigate our world, um, how to really work on things that we should have been working on as a society for a long time ago, like, you know, uh, self-confidence, um, you know, uh, how to handle kind of conflicts and, you know, how that's impacting work culture and all these different things. So whether it's personally and professionally, and it has something to do with mindset, that's really what I focus in on and I customize my solutions around my clients. Um, and so that's just kind of been the focus. And I've had my own journey over 15 years of this, this really, you know, personal awakening and mindset shift that was allowing me to, it has allowed me to be able to take the next steps in my life and go higher and higher, especially over the past five years, once I understood um, what was getting in my way, which is me, and how to get out of my own way. So. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So how do you, I guess, how do you um, get someone to change or to shift their mindset? Yeah, I, I think it, it's really a combination of things. So first and foremost, you know, it has to be an, an individual or an organization that is um, willing to say that, hey, I'm having a challenge, I'm having a problem here. Something invisible that um, is in my mind is impacting me. So from an organizational perspective, the, the approach is really about, you know, doing a good, you know, needs analysis. And as opposed to saying, I'm going to focus on working on processes, for me, I try to focus more on the intangible components, which um, impact culture, but it's really all about, you know, um, you know, what are some of the cultural challenges going on? What's the conversation like, right? If the conversation within the organization is negative, it's, it's for a reason. Same things for individuals. So a lot of work that I do with organizations, it's really about once everything's been identified as what the challenges or opportunity sets are, um, I've created my own um, curriculum that really is step-by-step through the, the mindset transformation process. So it's really about the educational side, but it's also mm -hmm. conversation that is conducted through every workshop. So I'm not sitting there just teaching, 
we're also having conversation. I'm giving personal examples. I've also created self assessments. And so what is what all this stuff is really um, built to do is to help individuals within the organization begin to look within and saying, what can I do to be a part of the solution? How can I be adjusting my attitude and mindset towards myself? Because personal challenges um, are called because of personal reasons. It's usually not, I had an issue on the job and now I'm having personal issues. It's usually the opposite, but whichever way it started, we have to, as an individual and as an adult, um, be able to um, get very clear on what the challenges or the blind spots are. So we have an opportunity to work on them. But from a group environment, once again, the, the group education and, and the conversation helps everyone to be learning some of the same things, some of the same mental principles at the same time. But then what that solution is for each individual is for them to find out. So I just help them to uncover and get very clear on what it is. And then let's begin the process of replacing negative ideas and belief systems as, as a team as well as individually. So that if you have negative belief systems about yourself, about your, 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 your potential, until you replace that idea with a positive idea, it's going mm. to continue to repeat over and over in, in your head uh, like a recording because that's how the subconscious mind or our deeper mind is trained, is through repetition. So you have to go in into the code of the mind, which is the core belief systems, and adjust those to begin to, to basically read the story or have the code read in the way in which it's going to help you align with whatever your long-term goals or the changes you want to make because if you don't believe it in your heart, not just your mind, but in your heart, which yeah. is your subconscious, the change is not going to happen. So we're so we're on changing, helping you change the code, not telling you how to do it, but helping you to see it, to, to understand it, and ultimately replace those negative ideas and belief systems and replace them with positives. Because until then, I've tried everything. I've done research for the past 15 years. Until you get to that subconscious, it's going to be um, short-term, you know, uh, motivation-based things that will get people to kind of turn away from what their challenges are or mm. to have a financial incentive or whatever else the companies do but ultimately you're going to go back to your natural set point which is whatever that negativity is and so that is in not too many words because i don't want to continue to explain it going in more detail that is the actual path to do it because people have to see it for themselves and want to do it for themselves till then i can say nothing i can be Less brown, I'm not gonna be able to say anything good enough to make you want to change your mind because you're grown. I have to lead you there and 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 help to include things like the science behind it and mental principles, um, you know, that are backed up everything from the Bible to metaphysics at this point. You know, science is backing up the word. So it's it's pretty interesting. You can have a very diverse conversation and 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 point in different directions. All this wisdom is saying the same thing in different ways. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do about it? You now have the tools over usually a three to six, usually three and most and most times six month periods. You now have the tools. So now what are you going to do as an adult? Right. So. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, it's so, going to be an interesting conversation. I have uh, questions. <laughs> um, first question I had was uh, how has uh, your professional experience, like all the things that you've been through mm -hmm. you know, in, in your role, uh, how has that impacted you as a father? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I've been on my entrepreneurial journey for just under a year, like working for myself. Yeah. But overall, in, in my career, um, I, I came in with a lot of great advice and great mentors early. And so that really helped me to have a balanced perspective. However, then I have my own experiences and there were opportunities for me to get jaded along the way. And usually um, 
or a man of color or, or people of color that is phrased, well, you know, they won't allow me to do this or, you know, they're trying to hold me back or this or this boss or that person. So whether they we're talking about white folks or we're talking about whatever it is, I had opportunities to take that bait and to go in that direction as far as what's coming out of my mouth, which means it's in my heart. I was lucky enough to have good people in my corner to, to challenge me to look within and say, what can I be doing differently? Not, and if it's something to be addressed with, with a leader, okay, that, like, yes, address that. But if it's also something that was attitude-based, I had people help me along the way and I just had thirst to understand what are the keys to success. And I learned early in, in the game, it was primarily mental. It was a mental battle and a mental alchemy almost to begin to kind of formulate and guide you know, your actions, which creates your life. So as a father, learning how to navigate the mental hurdles that were out there definitely that I could easily have tripped over and I did trip a few times. Luckily I didn't stay down. I got right back up and kept on going. As a father, it's really helped me to look at the way I approach and, and, and lead and basically have to train up my, my children, right, in a way that is not just compassionate, but, but thoughtful, trying to, even, even though they're, they're very young, trying to understand them, their little, you know, personality traits and things like that, and how can I be present with them, how can I be supporting them, um, you know, making sure that we're giving the proper guidance and discipline, but not breaking their spirit, making sure that they feel empowered, right? Um, and what did it look like as what did that look like for a small child? Um, I'm really good at stuff with adults, but with small children, it, it's been a learning lesson for me because it's different. I, I'm good with older people, but with small children, even though I had younger siblings, I realized I needed to understand or, or seek to understand them as well as continue to to to, to try to guide them. So I'm just understanding that that psychological piece is important and they're absorbing things, even at my son, 10 months and my, and my daughter, three years old, they're, they're observing my behavior. There's a worst behavior, what we say, how we say it. Um, are we showing great? We just punish and penalize it off top, right? That's very old school, but and I, and I grew up in the South. So I had to really question myself when I like, okay, this is what I want to be teaching him. And especially my daughter, you were like, are these the habits that I want to be teaching them? So, okay, so my wife and I, we've been doing a lot of studying and, uh, but, but it is um, all mental because even then, you know, it's like, you don't want to be too hard on yourself. So um, work kind of set me up to understand how I can get started and look within quickly. If I feel like things are off kilter, not doing any blaming and uh, give myself a little bit of um, grace along the way as well. Not just my children, but give myself grace and not trying to be the perfect dad, just trying to be what they need and uh, learn, so. Which, uh, which relationship has challenged you to change or to grow more as a man, your relationship with your wife or your relationship with your children? That's a good question. Um, I would say early on before we had children, it was definitely my wife, still mm -hmm. is but we've grown a lot together. Most recently though, I would I have to say over the past year, it's been my daughter. Because mm -hmm. once again, she's a little girl and it's just, it's just different. Like it's not different in a way that like they're treated or like, I, I don't do that. Like I treat my children the same for the most part because they're young. Now as they get older, that, that would change. But my daughter, she's so smart and she's so much like me as far as being inquisitive and things like that so like I, so she's really challenged me with my, as far as on the patient side 
because I can, I'm learning that she has a very strong imagination. So sometimes now that she's not listening to me or her, her mom, she's really engaged in whatever activity she in. And we have her Montessori school as well. And so the past year, especially the past six months, my relationship with her has really challenged me to say, okay, am I understanding her where she is at this age? They're, they're sponges, they're, they're, they wanna learn, you know, they're gonna have the, the, the tantrums, all the different kind of things. And she's starting to talk and express herself in, in different ways. So I'm seeing her grow quickly now, right? In, in more of the little human ways that adults can relate to better. Um, yeah. And so she's really challenging me to reassess a lot. And it's been good because that compassion thing I mentioned earlier, um, that compassion ha has really been challenged, but in a positive way. And so I'm just having to slow down, not react. She doesn't always just need me to be a disciplinarian or the protector. She needs me to just get in her world, right? And I've been getting in her world more, which has been interesting because I found myself on the floor. We, you know, we're doing baby shark and other things. And they were like, I wasn't doing that before. But now it's like, before I respond, before, let me get in her world for a minute. I've been working all day. I've had client meetings. I've been doing all the adulting stuff. Let me walk through the door. And of course, engage my wife for a little bit and then get my kids world. And it's actually helped me to just like chill and relax and, and, and decompress in the evenings because, you know, kids have no cares, you know, children appear. And, um, you know, we as adults so many times are striving that we can miss the mark just by trying to do too much as opposed to just being who we are. And our children, mm -hmm. kids, they just, they just are, are who they are. And it's a beautiful thing. Even the honesty, <laughs> what they say and do, it's like, yeah, that's real, you know? So it's been good. I normally ask this question towards the end, but uh, I'm kind of compelled to ask now. I already asked you the question, William. Uh, the question was, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, you gave a great answer. I'm going to read it. Uh, it means, you said it means being an example of love, compassion, and courage. When my children look into my eyes. I want them to see no fear and boundless faith. Powerful. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You elaborate on that a little bit more for me, if you will. Yeah, you know, for me, um, I didn't mention it at the very beginning, but my, my parents were divorced when, uh, or my parents got divorced when I was uh, six, going on seven years old. And so when we moved from South Carolina to Texas to Houston, um, it was partially due to the divorce, but also just small town mindset. At the time, it was Greenville was a very small town, small town mindset boys getting in trouble, getting into drug in his early 90s, so getting in a dope game, had family in D.C., so, you know, that was, you know, pushing, you know, it was real life in the streets, and, and I was and I was one of the, the younger boys at the time, and so my mom saw that and wanted to get us away, and parents got divorced, and I think that was the, 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 the last reason to, to move. So I grew up long distance from my dad. I, I'm, a, I'm a dad's namesake, and my mom ended up you know, getting re remarried, but I knew my dad. And so I never really felt 100% and I never wanted to accept another man as my father because I knew my father. And many times I just didn't feel that, that fatherly protection because my dad wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. My stepfather was present, but my dad wasn't there. And I struggled with understanding how to be a man because my stepfather was not always the best example. Um, he was, and he was a great man, but in many ways, very emotional and not making good, solid, grounded decisions because his father was not there from generation past, right? 
Uh, and so he didn't understand how to be a man. And I realized in my early 20s, I didn't know. I got in an argument with one of my ex-girlfriends years ago, probably 15 plus years ago. And, I, and one thing that she said stuck with me. We were talking, we were arguing about something. And one thing that, that I remember her blurting out in the middle of an argument was she was like, why don't you be a man? And I remember, but what for in that moment, it just stopped me. Like not just physically, like, but like my like like my whole being responded like, and I answered without in, internally without even without even being able to say it. How? I don't know how to be a man. And that moment stuck with me for years after. And it really was one of those things, sort of like a watershed moment, like this is even more important. I need to strengthen my relationship with, with my father. I need to know him to get pieces and clues of why I am the way I am. And over that next few years, I got much closer with my dad. And long story short, coming full circle in my late 20s, I finally truly understood the power of a father and having connectedness to not just your dad, but your family's history um, and so many other things. So when I think about fatherhood, I first and foremost made a commitment to myself that whomever I marry, um, my intent is to make it all the way to the grave. I want our, our children to see that, but also beyond just that, right? It's like just, you know, just an idea and a goal. I would, would, I don't ever want them to feel the absence of their father's love, compassion, and protection. And they have falter in different situations and not have them the right way and anxiety and stress and lashing out on people. And in my mind, one way that I could show and be a good father, be a good example, is by not just showing strength, but being strong and being steadfast and unmovable, right? And so I took that seriously as I've gotten older and I want my children and I think, and I believe that they're seeing that so that they know that they're protected. They know that their father loves them, that their father's present with them. And that in this earth realm, they don't have anything to worry about because daddy got you. And I didn't always feel that, for the reasons aforementioned. And so when I think about it in act, deed, and even when they look me in my eyes, I want them to see daddy's not faking strong or, or faking um, secure, he is. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I can. So whether that's my son or a future another boy or my daughter or future daughters, they need to know that and to be able to feel it in their chest. And I don't want it to be a symbol, I want to, Live, live, live that out. Honor, integrity, and family are the three pillars that I'm very serious about. And um, I don't know, it's just something that about when you look, when I look my, when I look in my, in my father's eyes now as an adult, even as a grown man at 35 years old, it, it, it does something for me. When I get a chance to spend time with it in person, it's to see a smile and his gaze. There's something very royal about it. And I think our people have lost that. We've lost the power of our fathers. And now that I'm not the kid anymore, I'm not the athlete, the high school kid, playing ball, all that kind of stuff, like, you know, it's, it's real out here, even more so. Um, families need that, and this is my family, and it's my responsibility to do it the right way and make mistakes, get back on my feet, but that male, that Black male strength is uh, something that cannot be replaced. Um, I'm, it's, this, is, this isn't a, a race thing at all, but we different, and when you're doing it the right way, you are powerful. And I'm and I'm I'm learning that more and more. I'm hearing that even from friends and people that see our family here in Milwaukee, um, and they're like, "Man, you know, you guys are powerful." Like, you know, just posting stuff on Facebook, like a black, like the young black, solid family. 
And I'm like, I mean, I'm just thinking like, this is true. You know, we're just doing what I should be doing or what, what, what we think we should be doing, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing and seeing that, and I'm like, it, it just reminded me of that. So when I saw the question, I was like, yeah, but from a child's perspective, then you'd be looking in daddy's eyes and knowing daddy's there. Daddy got you, right? Um, and I think all of us can, in different ways, explain what that is. And unfortunately, many of us have not been able to experience that. But it ain't going to be my kids. If I'm alive, I'm going to be present in their lives. This ain't going to be no long distance. I see you on the weekend shit. Excuse my language. I, I, I can't allow that to happen. I, I lived it. I was that child. And so that is a part of my legacy. And so I'll, I'll stop there. But it's so important to me because I was blessed to, to see the other side of reconciliation and presence with my dad. And even as a grown man, as I mentioned, it, mean, it means so much to me. And it does something for me just to be in his presence. Um, there's always been something about the eyes. You know, you can, you can, you can, see, you can see a man or woman's soul when you look in their eyes. And I think there's something spiritual about that. So I think that we'll be able to tell them things without me having to able to speak words, especially when, as they get older. And we can get as deep as this as we want to, but I think it's that important. This is this is DNA, y'all. This is everything, man. So that's why I get mad about this this fatherhood thing, because it, you know it's it's a spiritual calling. I ain't talking about religion. I'm talking about spiritual, right? Like, mm. you know. So, yeah. You you know you you said something that hit me in the head, kind of, and um, I just well when you were telling your story about um, the girlfriend, your ex girlfriend, and she said, "Why don't you be a man?" Mm-hmm. And then you think like, are women like do men ask? Well, do do men say the same thing to women, or are women like or little girls like socialized to be women from the beginning? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I guess I mean if 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 we're just you know talking off script and it's just us, right? I think a lot of times, unfortunately, in in, in more households. I think it's about 50% across the board all the way around. But especially in the the Black household, um, and I don't like using that term, but in the Black household, it's it's mm-hmm. been something that is almost been commoditized, like an expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think because, um, and I did, I did after doing some, some research, really understanding spirituality in, in the, at a deeper level, looking at the history of it, you know, the first, um, the first guide that was ever represented in any kind of form, like in stone, it was actually the black woman. I heard people say stuff like that, but like, oh, okay, whatever. But no, man, it's, 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 it's real. Mm-hmm. Like this is pre-Egypt. So I think our women have innate ability to be able to play those roles, even though they're not, they, 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 they shouldn't have to. And if, um, and if a woman is having to raise their children, they're gonna teach their children or their daughter how to be strong because they had to be strong but I tell you this also, um, and this hit me in the head as I got older, as you said. <laughs> my mom was very strong. My stepdad was there in present, but he, he traveled all the time. The relationship was tumultuous at times. So it was really almost like kind of still kind of having my mom there most consistently, uh, more than 50% of the time because he was always traveling for work. But I remember, um, and, and I'm sure she won't mind me telling, saying this, but I remember about a decade ago after my stepdad who, who's since, since passed away. My mom was, was remarried about three years ago. Um, after all those years of frustration and they finally split up, I remember, um, you know, she was kind of back with my younger 
taking care of herself. She, she, she had been working anyway, but I remember her calling and talking to me and sometimes crying about being so frustrated having to do everything, having to mm -hmm. be everything to everybody. And I never heard that side of my mom. She was only, she was handling the business. I knew there were challenges, I'd understand them. But my mom, the strong woman that I always saw her be, talking to me and I'm grown now, you know, in my late 20s, crying and just so frustrated with having to do everything, having to, mm -hmm. to, to be the man, having to be this, and she didn't want to do it. She was like, I don't want to do this. Um, not that not that she wouldn't, but like I'm tired of having to play that like I can't be a father to my you know with my my youngest brother like and so my stepdad was still around but she just felt that pressure and so I saw something I saw I saw a glimpse in what it was like because my mom was always strong she never complained but then get growing and she was just like she was breaking down and it's been so beautiful just kind of to bring this full circle since she met about six years ago my new stepdad um ariel and you know i i hear this girlish giggle in her voice so it'll be like joking around and playing i'll be on the phone and they'll be you know in, in you know giggling and in the background i'm like she sounds like she's 15 years old but i realize mm -hmm. my mom hasn't been able to do that or was not able to for so many years just like the, the kid in her is coming out and she's just enjoying life my step my my now stepdad takes great care of her and loves her in every way, take, you know, and she's just living the life and just so, so happy now. So I understand why mothers do it, no matter what background they're from. I think it's just been um, socialized and really, you know, satirized as that's just what Black men should be, the struggle, Black women raising their kids, having to be hard. And I think that's nonsense. And so even with some of the shows, I used to watch, love watching things like that. I've had to change what I watch and that's around my kids and the way I talk because that's, because that's not funny no more. If I the success in my own life, that's jacked up. And it is a deep spiritual wound. Um, and learning more about DNA, you guys want to talk about this, that pain is passed down. Yeah. I ain't talking about just like stuff that happened three, 300 years ago and, you know, four decades of the I'm talking about like right now, like the trauma, the pain, um, the fear, it, it passes down in, in the DNA. And I am very, I, I very strongly believe that those who have been some of the, the violators in these areas knew and still know what, what, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so it's so, yeah, I think it's socialized. I understand better why it's happening, but it is still a very deep spiritual violation. This ain't just that we're seeing on TV and shaking your head. This is a disrespect for our future. Um, which is our children, our grandchildren, if as individuals, that's something we control, if we are a part of that problem and a part of that perpetuation that is deeply ingrained and we got a lot of work to do individually and collectively to get that out of our spirit because it's it's deep, but it's mm -hmm. also, I think, time for us to make some changes. So unfortunately it is a thing. It shouldn't be though, um, but who am I to say? Cause I've, I've, I've experienced all sides of it. I'm just saying I want to be a part of the solution, you know, and and have conversations and do work and do my part in my own household, first and foremost, to reset a better standard, which is peace and harmony, which is connectedness, which is mom and daddy getting along and, and not perfect, but, you know, present, right? Like, and just you know, try to be progressive. So in, in our generations, a lot of us, it's like the first, like, we're like the first generation to either to be on in the process of getting it right really intent about getting it right 
And so then you still have to like learn, like, how do I do this now? So that, you know, why don't you be a man thing? I think echoed a little bit, even though on both of my mom's, on my, my dad's side, great granddaddy was there, granddaddy was there and daddy was there. And I'm, I'm not parents end up getting divorced. So then I saw a little bit of it. Um, but I was even to see, I was able to see my, my, my grandparents, you know, together until they died and stuff like that. And that was helpful too. Um, and I was a little boy. So for little girls, when daddy's not there, you know, daddy's confidence, you know, daddy's security for, for, for boys and, and girls, for, for, for children. You know, if daddy says it's going to be all right. It, it hit different than mom says it's going to be all right. And if daddy's not there, I, I felt it. And I can only imagine what a young girl would be feeling in some challenging times of her life. So she was to be afraid or an abuse relationship with a man that's not her daddy. Like, you know, all these things. Like, mm-hmm. I can only imagine what, what, what they would be thinking and feeling. And so, but that's, but, the, but see, those end up being spiritual wounds. And it's happened one, two, three generations. You have, you know, our beautiful sisters, you know, they didn't stay up, you know, and they got it in their system. And we do two in different ways, mm-hmm. examples. And and then we, we have manifestations that now they're pretty much making fun of our ass. And, and of course, as y'all are in Chicago, so I know they want to point out Chicago, they want to point out these other cities and what they're doing in New Orleans. And this, that's a look, man, that they're, they're, they've been sat, satirizing us. And this stuff ain't funny, it's not at all. But I think it's also on the, on, on the flip side, it's because they know how powerful we are. And even with all this stuff, we are still the leaders for culture. So from a spiritual perspective, the entire world still looks, looks at quote unquote, black America. Like I said, I use that term black very loosely because there's nothing good about that term. And that's, and, and that's not us. We, we, we're not black. Black is a color on a piece of paper. It's not us. Um, so yeah. it's not a label. You're right about that, man. <laughs> uh, nope. You spoke on um, your, your dad and uh, how you guys rebuilt your connection after, yeah. you know, they got divorced. Uh, yeah. What was, what was one of the biggest lessons you learned from your dad during that time? What was your dad like? What's your dad like? I think the biggest lesson I learned was forgiveness. I, I, I didn't necessarily hold a huge grudge against him because I loved him so much. And it wasn't like he wasn't there. Or like he was, but got divorced and moved away. I think um, the biggest thing I learned, though, was, was uh, forgiveness. Because there were so many questions that went unanswered for years. And when I finally got the answers that I wanted, it didn't necessarily give me the release that I thought it was going to be. It was really more about being able to now that we're reconnected to watch his example. And it was less about what, what he said or didn't say. It was more about what he did and how he handled his business. And just by observing my father, that was the best thing for me. Observing a healthy relationship between him and my stepmom and how my, my stepmom, you know, really has always undergirded him and how he, you know, you know, in kind, always has taken care of her. And so like, so just to be able to see that for in my soul, that was, that, that did me more good than anything. So spending time with my dad, hearing how they handle conflict and things like that. Um, I would say in my life, that's been the most influential relationship for, for a male female is actually my dad and my stepmom. Because my, my dad took on three girls are now my stepsisters and took care and, and, and helped to raise them, you know, once he got remarried and to hear them talk about my father, it's a very different story than, than what I think I was exposed to and heard until I got to know my father, at, you know, a, a, as an adult. And all those things are very powerful for me because if you speak about a boy's daddy, he's talking about him. 
And that, once again, on the spiritual side of things, it just does something for you. Um, so I think that was the biggest lesson, just once again, um, forgiveness. But then on, on the back end, it was about just observing who my dad was and what it was like just to be a stable, solid man. Not perfect, but just stable and solid, you know, community, you know, got respect in the community, just doing the right stuff. Um, something I, I can't even explain. It, it just hits you all, in all the right places. And because that's your daddy, that's you too, right? Um, so yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. Very yeah. powerful, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yep. Absolutely. So let, let me ask you, if you could, if you can go back to your younger self and mm -hmm. give your, I guess, 18, 19, 20 year old self some advice, what, what would it be? Um, I think I would tell my, my 18 or 19 year old self uh, to be patient. Um, I, I found that I was very impatient. And a big reason why I was impatient, whether it was with um, the pathway to success, um, you know, getting things figured out, you know, I always wanted to try to solve things quick, fast, and hurry and move on to the next thing as opposed to trying to learn lessons from experiences and opportunities, right? Um, I think, the, and I, I realized, rather not think, the reason why I was so impatient was because I had an invisible clock in the back of my head that always kind of had me running internally. I kind of always felt like I needed to prove something. Like, if I once I, you know, one thing I know was big in, you know, in, in my generation slash our generation, um, it was, you know, once you get to a hundred thousand dollars in your career, you made it. But other little kind of pie in the sky ideas that are not bad in, in themselves, but it was like once I get there, then I think what I was telling myself that I can prove or show that I'm a man and I got it together, right? And so I spent a lot of time rest, you know, hurrying, like, like trying to build my career. And if I wasn't promoted in, in a year or two, I was like frustrated. Why, you know, why aren't they seeing my talent? And these other different things that internally it was a voice saying, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You haven't gotten that fast enough. You, you're behind. And once I was able to really, through understanding the principles of, you know, this, this, this mental universe that we live in, you know, consciousness itself, I was able to actually identify those voices. What were they telling me and why? And I was able to go back and identify, it was really just about that voice that had been there for so many years that was really sitting around trying to prove myself, trying to do this. And even after I reconnected with my dad, because in my younger years, it had become a habitual pattern of thinking, it was still there. So external experience was not impacting what had to be an internal revelation and, ultimate, and ultimately a change. And so what coming full circle with, with that was having to forgive myself for, um, you know, trying to, to be something as opposed to being my authentic self in every way, including being patient and understanding the process that it takes to be anything and ultimately reorganizing my priorities. And once I got really, once I got less money focused and less proving it focused to embracing every single day, which my dad had been telling me for the past 15 years, take it a day at a time, once I began to do that, then just like it says in the word, all these things should be added unto you. But I think part of that revelation is a psychological, um, you know, um, you know, Psalms 23 style trusting and just childlike faith and just doing what you need to do every single day, but not stressing and worrying, you know, not being afraid. Um, 
and all those things have come and it's been really, really interesting. So, yeah. Uh, I'm interested, man. We've been talking about a lot of, uh, you know, mental, you know, universe, you know, things that, um, you know, people don't normally talk about in detail and really get into the weeds. And uh, you know, I've been reading a couple of books, man. I even got, I got audio books. I played to my kids when we, we drive in the car. Like we listen to Neville Goddard sometimes. Like we got yeah. books like that. So we, mm-hmm. I open them up to things like that. Uh, and I've been open up to it. And I've been kind of, do, you know, doing my own research and, and my own experiences. Uh, for yourself, what would be a book that you would say uh, you would recommend for a guy that's interested in learning more about the universe and how, things are uh conceived and uh how things look you know in, in regards to those books yeah you know um i, I would say there are, are um are, are two books um one is the power of the subconscious mind by dr joseph murphy yeah that's um, a good one. uh that, that that was a really good one yeah. and another one that I, that I think was the beginning of my spiritual awakening once again not religious but spiritual um, Still a man of faith, but I understand it so much better now because of that journey. The second book is um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And that is A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Um, that talks, that was the first book I ever read and got exposed to the ideas of like the ego and the super ego and all those different things that basically, you know, help to identify the negative and positive voices in your own head. They either can work for you or against you. I had never heard of it, and this was like 2005 or six. And that book, Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth, um, it just, my mind, I didn't even know how to process it. It took me years to really, or a couple years to really process it, but it was just like, so this is, it was giving me a glimpse of how I was going to begin to take back control of my mind and these negative patterns that have been, just been built up over the years for so many different reasons. And you kind of, and many people feel like, you know, you got this negative voice in your head, you can't get it out. You just kind of feel like you're a victim of circumstance. Um, but that's just not true. It's not true. Um, and once you understand that, then your life changes because now you're empowered to, to do something and just learning the, the, the tools and you work on your mental fitness, just like you work on your physical fitness. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I got to check out the... Uh... A new earth, uh, definitely. That's like a real good one, yeah. Yeah, and his last name is T O L L E, and his first name is E C K A R T Eckhart. You got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five on Amazon, yep. Yeah, that's another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate that, bro. Uh, yeah, because I, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of power in that and knowing, uh, having that knowledge. Once you got that knowledge, like it's uh, you can't unlearn that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, how do you break that down to your kids? Uh, like what you know, and you know, getting that information. How do you uh, make make them understand that? So, I mean, right now they're very young. So, just thinking about you know my, myself, how what, what how I've learned the most impactful things is observation. And so, right now, I think how I actually um, show that through just my consistent behaviors and once again and then working on things like I was talking about earlier with, with my daughter about understanding compassion and different things like that at a different level and how to really connect with my children at the age that they are now I, I, I think showing it 
and you know through behaviors and actions and words and intentions because just like adults kids can feel you say one thing but you but based on the way you say it your energy they can feel it one way can make them feel good and, and smile other way can make them cry so with energy and with intention and with behaviors i think right now is the best thing and i don't know this to be true but i'm guessing it'll probably be very similar as they get older at the end of the day because if you say something that you don't do it you know that's not going to work with kids. You got to be about it and not just talk about it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is what I've learned thus far. And of course, I'm always learning. So it could be something different in, in six months. So what do you think is like the, um, the biggest thing you've learned, learned in life and mm -hmm if you could pass one thing down to your children as far as like principles and morals that you live by, what would, uh, what would that be? Oh man, that is a good one. Um, I would say the one thing, I'm gonna have to say it two, two different ways, but I think I'll be saying the same thing. So the, the first way that it can be to respond is that um, anything is possible. So there's no limitations on, on, on you. Um, but another way that I'm really compelled to say that is the reason why nothing is possible is because we're infinite beings that come from an infinite source um, and we can create um, and change situations and circumstances. Um, and starting with our thinking. And the reason why all things are possible is because if we're in the image and, and the likeness, then that means also attributes. Um, so we are more powerful than we know. And so with my children, one thing I want them to understand, and that's why I think I mentioned earlier, kind of alluded to the fact that I don't want my children to look themselves as, as black folks or African-Americans, that's a 33 year old term and it's false. You, 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 you can't be a continent and a, a landmass. that's not a people. <laughs> um, you, you, so that's something that, that, that's very, very important. And one detail that I will give that I think is also important because I'm hearing more and more people talk about it. And I think it's just time for our people to, to be able to expand their mind, know a little more. Um, one of the reasons why I, I'm so adamant about just, you know, the fact that we're in, we, are, we, have, we are infinite being, we are spirit, and we have infinite possibilities. But also, I think it's very important now because their history. And we can go back almost 300 years on my mom's side. Um, and we can go back almost as far on my dad's side. And on both sides, our history, 100%, um, as far as where it starts, is Native American. We are Cherokee Indians. So we know that we didn't come from Africa. Know it. We, 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 we know our history. As a matter of fact, I have a living grandmother on my, or a living um, grandmother of, of one of my first cousins who was 110 years old. And she's on a mm -hmm. Cherokee reservation to this day. And she and she remembers my great great grandfather, who was a Cherokee Indian chief that that um, that was the chief and that, that owned that was the the leader of, of the land along the Santee River on the east coast of South Carolina. It's very important. And I'm not trying to say, well, this is this. All I'm saying is the, the established narrative is untrue. And from a history we are the only people that can't trace back our, our sources from, mm. you know, in, in a general sense, all my, cause I grew up in Houston, my friends are Nigerian. They know that they know their village. Yeah. We got to do that. 
and I can trace back. I know where the land was, and and my my aunts remember my great great grandfather at his old age, angry. He was still living in, in his TP, but angry because they had stole his land. So I know that we are Cherokee Aboriginals, look like us all the way across the world, those over there in uh, in Australia, right? Yeah. They, 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 they all brown skinned folks with, with, with curly hair. And it's very important that our folks begin to wake up. I'm not saying everybody this and nobody, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is my history tells me and I know I'm not from Africa and that's not a bad thing. My friends are from Africa, that, that, because, but, but they know what that, that, that tribe. Yeah. Our history was not stolen from us as far as not being able to find it. We just thought we, we, we've been socialized to, to believe over less than the past hundred years, because that's what almost all of us, our grandmom and them, our great grandmom and them, I always said we was part Blackfoot Indian. Why well, was yeah. all, almost all of our grandparents saying that? We yeah, you have Indian in your family. That's yeah, it's a blanket <laughs> statement. Like, <laughs> okay. which one though? Which one? Like, you don't know that it, though. <laughs> exactly, because most of them who, who knew that have passed on, and the education system has changed a lot of that. So I don't want to go into a complete rabbit hole, but that, but. That is one component that for me, I'm so thankful that my, I have aunts and grandparents who, who kept that alive and there ain't no guessing and we think, and that was a damn trick and we need to remember who we are. So, and even, and, 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 I, and I'll end with this because I, I don't know if people are gonna be listening to this and need to hear it and hopefully this encourages them to do some, some, some history searching. We even know in South Carolina, most of the current land that is now downtown South Carolina. We don't know, we, 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 we're, we've been doing research to figure out what the hell happened, but we know that we own that land, like 90% of it. That's hundreds of billions of dollars of real estate on, on that land now. We were wealthy native and donors. And we were the, we were the only black slash native um, family that had, a, I'm sorry, we, we were the first quote unquote black family um, on my grandmother's the Bryant to have a brick house in Greenville, South Carolina. Now this is a hundred some years later and I know this is 1800s. I, we had, I, my, my great great grandparents had their master's degrees. Hmm. So when they keep on telling us we were slaves, we didn't have nothing, no. A lot of us got jacked, got that land stolen because we were already here. It's crazy, man. When you not 100%. Think about the numbers, man, the pure numbers, like why, why billions of dollars of uh, real estate and land that, uh, trillions of, of yeah that you uh, have access to, like if uh, things would have went right uh, the right way. So I just think it's time for us as a people to have a, be a better glimpse of infinite possibilities for ourselves by having a better understanding of where we come from. So I'm not really here to start a pod, nothing like that. I'm just telling you my own personal family history. But as more and more people are, are, are doing their research, they're like, wait a minute, we weren't just part there. We... That's us. Mm. And go back and look at some of those symbols yeah. in, in history of natives. The, the terminology until the late 1800s was copper colored people. Look at the symbol of the Redskins. Aren't they our complexion? Right. What are they? Now, 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 now the nose look different. And the hair straight, but we got people in our family got straight hair. I got aunts and, and cousins that don't have, don't got curly hair. They got straight hair. So yeah. last year, someone dark skin. But I tell you what, they you know they got a little couple of symbols that kind of indicate that they they couldn't cover everything up because that red skin symbol, 
is dark as hell. And I ain't seen none of them on no reservation <laughs> nowhere that is publicized. It's so it's very interesting. Yeah. About that. And so like I said, I, I'm just, you know, you guys ask me a question, I'm trying to be as truthful as possible. But the reason why we have infinite possibilities is because we have an infinite history that goes back further than, than written language or anything. We were here from the beginning. And we need to know that because we don't forgot and they're taking advantage of us because we don't know. And I'm not saying they as far as white people, I'm talking about the establishment, the, the governmental things and all the other stuff and whether it's mm -hmm. conspiracy or not, I don't, I don't get into conspiracy, but whatever that force was to make us forget, it's time for us to wake up because we have so much within us, so much rich, rich history, so much power, and it's more than just entertainment and sports. We have a history that is just as rich and deep as any other, including Egypt and all the other ones. There are pyramids on this land. That's why, like in Georgia, have you ever heard like of like the uh, Georgia mounds? All they mm -hmm. did was put um, put put side and grass over uh, um, pyramids. Yeah, it's a pyramid in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. just like South America. And who you think built those? So, some some people that were killed off by smallpox smallpox blankets. Now, wouldn't that be some shit if you realized that was you? Whole time, the whole damn time. Why, why do we know that? <laughs> We, we right. just slave from, okay. I'm not saying that didn't happen, but I'm saying the majority are already here. And for yeah. some reason, they couldn't take us out. Whatever they tried to do, the most high said, hell no. And we're still here in the, in the tens of millions. And I think it's time for our, our, our people to know. So I'm going to go on record and just be honest. It's not about anyone else. No one's bad. This is because this ain't a racial thing. This ain't about race. This is about understanding who we are. and maybe that will take other people to just do a little bit of research and maybe that could help the bridge gap. If, if you know where you come from, maybe that will give you a little more motivation, inspiration to say, even though I may not be connected with my dad or whatever else, I know that I have a rich history. I need to fo focus on that. And I can be out here acting like this. I, I have grounding now. I, I'm not just out here as this black poor person that that's had two, three generations in the hood or poverty or whatever else. You know, and all the negative that, 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 that come from that, that, that that's not us. That, you know, they, they, they got their own ones. And I just think it's, we, and, I, and I keep on repeating it because it's, it's just resonate with them. We, we have to know that that stuff is not true. It was a lie. It is a lie. Look at, look at who we are and how we impact the entire globe as the only ones that don't know who we are. What is that telling us spiritually? That's just giving us an indicator that there is something very powerful about us even when we don't forgot for the most part, even when most of us are completely asleep. Everybody in Africa, they want to be like LeBron James, they want to be like this person, they want to be like this singer. Brazil, Europe, Asia, dancing like us. That, that's not because we're cool and, and we're just the best dancers. That's a spiritual thing. We're spirit beings. So I'll stop there. But Black <laughs> stop calling yourself Black. Don't, don't play that game. Everything from the etymology or the meaning of that word throughout history was negative. And we are not dead people. We are not lifeless people. Black implies death. Black implies no worth. Mm. So, they're, they're, so they're calling us dead people. Historically, not now, historically. Because they ain't about people who are living, because this, this, this did not start now. Um, I'm gonna stop there because I'm gonna get fired up because <laughs> after I did my research. Oh, yeah, that's why, man. I, I let you get the wrong way, man. You take off, man. Go ahead, man. No, 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 man. No, man. It's just, you know, once again, man, with, with all the pains going on in, in our world, a lot of us are blind. 
Um, and I was too. And it, it, it's very painful to be blind. It's not just that you can't see, it hurts to be blind because you, you, you suffer automatic consequences from not being able to see or to know who you are and have grounding in, in this world. There's an automatic cost to be paid for that. There's automatic benefit to be gained by knowing who you are and being grounded. Uh, fundamentally, beyond the money, because all those things are spiritual in nature. Um, but if you're not grounded here, all the other stuff, it will always be just outside of your hands. And I remember living those days and feeling like they're like, I'm always so close and then something goes wrong. What the heck is going on with me? But I wasn't right spiritually and I was still blind. And once I began to wake up, things changed. But it was me. It wasn't them. It, it was always me. Nah, that's dope, man. That's yeah, dope. man. <laughs> and I, I know I we kind of Yeah. Oh, what'd you say? I apologize for getting on a little riff, but um, I've, I've done a lot of podcasts and stuff. And I don't know, man, maybe it's because I'm getting older now. It's just like, man, man, I got to let my people know. Like, I'm I'm about to corporate thing. I'm about to, I'm about to get my money. I'm about, but man, I'm tired of seeing this nonsense. I'm tired of seeing this like this because it ain't just about me because we live in the suburbs and we good. We're the only black folks in our street. And that's cool. But in my community, I would love for more people to feel comfortable and also have the means, which some do, but they don't necessarily feel comfortable in this area because of history of things that have happened in this city to live in these nice areas and not have to worry about gunshots and things like that. And that's something that's very real for me because I remember hitting the floor at six years old when my parents first got first got divorced and or, or split up and we were living in an apartment on the bad side of town and having to hit the floor a few times before dinner after school. Mm -hmm. Nah, man, we better than that. So. Excuse my passion for us. Uh, good. Uh, it kind of ties back into uh, ownership piece. Like back then, you know what I'm saying? We had ownership you know, as, a, as a people. You know, the whole nation was filled with ownership. And uh, like, that's priceless. So when they say 40 acres and a mule, I was talking to Dr. Young about it uh, the other day. Like, man, they owe us 40 acres. Uh, hey, what's that worth today? Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's light compared to the stuff we actually own and what it's worth today. From you know? sea to shining sea we own. <laughs> yeah. We have been gardens of this land for once again, time immemorial. There, there, there is no beginning end. Should tell you something. But we were gardens of this land, just like on, on other uh, uh, continents. Same principles. We, we, we were doing the same stuff. So from sea to shining sea is what we own. But, it, it, but it, it's, it's different now. And it wouldn't be about, you know, Taking back all, you know, you know, it's like like it's a lot of people who come here and it ain't their fault. But understanding that and then just operating with, within that power from a spiritual perspective, I think we'd be working together a whole lot better and be more strategic about just simply having something that's our own. And um, many other things will come with that. And I think that'll be positive because it ain't about doing that foolish or, or, or violent because that's not our people. We ain't gonna, it's not about that. It's just about taking back what's ours and and uh, making our. You know, ancestors proud said, man, they finally woke up. They finally remember. Like we, we are the guardians. That's when you realize, like, man, I'm a guardian too. 100%. <laughs> My kids are. They're the next one. That's it. Amen. Yeah. You know, let, let me ask you this question, man. And it, it may <laughs> seem kind of kind of crazy, but, like, you spoke about, like, the ancestors and uh, having soul, being able to dance, um, and that coming out through the culture and cooking and, you know, yeah. that we eat, the music. Do you feel like racism, 
cuts white people off from that aspect of like them being in tune with sexuality and being with their their ancestors. And that's why like a lot of well, I don't necessarily even know if they have culture, but <laughs> a lot of um, you know, they fall short in a lot of those areas. Yeah, you know, so what, I, I on that. You know, I, I really can't speak for any, for any other group of people. And I and, and there are a lot of theories around that, and you know, some of them are a little off, but some of them make 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 sense. What 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 I would say is that I I perceive, I don't know this to be true, I perceive that there was something that maybe their ancient ancestors felt that that was missing that we had that they wanted beyond the gold and and stuff. Um, and so whatever that was, they were lacking it potentially, and they wanted to get connected to it and realize that whatever we had was so good that they wanted to take it over or they wanted to diminish it. And the only thing that I can say from a psychological perspective of humans or people is that um, many times when you try to diminish other people, it's because you have insecurities. Now, what those are, I can't speak to those. And I'm not going to make a blanket statement about a group of people because I got friends of all different backgrounds. And that's how I grew up in, in H-Town. So, you know, it's not about that for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't answer as far as what that is. What I definitely can tell you in, in more recent times, as far as the work that I've been doing, is that there is a lot of white guilt not because they once again it's not about our generation even even the, even the grandparents and the old ones even the you know the baby boomers they, they start with them right so i i see especially when i do d and i work it's a lot of guilt and so that's i think it's telling now what that means for every individual of caucasian background you have to ask them i don't know but i but it's but to me i've always looked or i've learned to look at every perceived disadvantage as a potential advantage. So my question then goes back to how I started. What does that mean? What is that indicating of who we not just were, but still are? How powerful were we and how how and and how powerful was our, our culture and our history to where it had to be completely wiped clean because they went into other countries and you know raided stuff and took stuff. But they still know where they come from. We don't know nothing. We, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's like we think we come from another continent. It's too many of us. Everybody couldn't couldn't come from somewhere else, man. Like you see in South America, a lot of people look like us, right? Right? And they say, what well, you know, what what, what well, they were slaves, they came from Africa too, and they went to the I don't buy that no more. They were already there too. And I can tell you what helped me to corroborate that. One. One, one fact now, about 10 years ago, the Mexican government finally acknowledged that there were over 10 million Afro-Mexicans in Mexico mm -hmm. in the same physical area that the Olmec people, which is the oldest known culture in Mexico, which is those big stone heads with the wide noses and, and, and the braids to the back. That's yeah. the oldest, the oldest um, known culture and traceable in Mexico. They go back 20 plus thousand years. There were no borders of, of Mexico and US. That's like in, in, in the Yucatan. So those of us who were in the South, who grew up in the South, have history in the South, there were no borders in line. I'm not saying that, that we're directly connected to them, but what I'm saying is it only makes sense to let you know that those who were here 
look very similar to the original culture that they have monuments for with the wide noses and a brace to the back. We still have embraced to the back to this day. So mm. they're indicator that there's something about us in the Americas, the, what I like to call now to those who can handle it, the aboriginals of America, that is so powerful that that shit had to be buried. Because other cultures, they may have shot the nose off the sphinx, but they ain't, they ain't try to bury it in the sand. They ain't put grass over and say, well, you can't do nothing with this. There's something about us. And um, everybody has a different answer as, as they're doing their, their research, but I'm just believing that in time, I think it's time that we just remember who we are and that will lead everybody to different places. But I think that's a big important piece. And I'm hearing a lot of famous celebrities uh, talk about it very openly. Um, if, if you go to YouTube and you look, and if you guys have ever heard of uh, Dane Calloway, Dane Calloway has interviewed a lot of celebrities, Waka Flocka. Uh, he hasn't, I did, he hasn't uh, interviewed I, I, Isaiah Thomas, but about five years ago, I, I, Isaiah Thomas, the Hall of Fame basketball player, he looked to the same thing. He was like, look, this is not just celebration of what happened in, you know, 14. He's like, we, we were, we, we've been here and we've always been here. We need to know that. And then they like cut the commercial. <laughs> so a lot of us know this stuff, right? Um, and I just think it's time for us people to, to, to know it. So yes, there may be some guilt. There may be something that we're missing. But I want us to focus on us. But what does that mean in regards to us? How powerful could we have been and what do they not want us to remember that would say, oh, guess what? You come from one continent that has people of color, but actually y'all were everywhere, including England, everywhere else. Like that was all Aboriginal land at, some, at a certain point, that, but that's beyond recorded history. So I just want us to think about that as Blacks in America um, and, let, and, and let the ancestral uh, wisdom just you know, flow up. And, and you, know, you, you might wake up one morning and something just hit you on, hit you in the head, you just have a flashback of <laughs> being a king or something, who, who knows, right? Um, but I think that's the power of the infinite possibility within us. And mm -hmm. I'm just thankful that I've had an opportunity and, and from a psychological mindset way, have an awakening, but also on the other side of the coin, as far as who we are, what's in our DNA, um, I'm beginning to just awaken to that and just to, to, to search and, and find some, some good research. Um, and apparently there's a lot of this history as far as who we really are from our heritage perspective that it still exists in um, in uh, the state archives because in the 1780s, they they, they changed the I for Indian to um, N for Negro. And, and, like, and like they were mixing up certain tribes they would call Negro that apparently were us and other tribes that they would call them, uh, it, it was Negro, uh, Mulatto because some of the tribes were you know, uh, have you know, good amount of uh, fair skin people, just naturally, not not mixed with others, just just naturally, just like we are now. And um, so it was Negro, mulatto, and one other term, but it changed in the 1780s. And at the state archives, you go back and, and request it. You got to pay like a little fee, but as far back as it goes, you can actually find this stuff. Now I have now my family's starting to do that as well. Now we already know because of our family history, we, we have a painting from the, from the 1700s. And like my five times great aunt, um, she was, you know, you know, very dark skinned, straight hair. And uh, she was she was labeled at that time a, a runaway slave. But but at the same time, as we learn more, we found out she was a native. And um, because there were several families, a lot of stuff that, you know, talked about history, but it was from a different perspective. If you already was here and she got separated from her daughter. Who, whose name was Caroline, 
And, and so we we know her daughter's name, but we don't know what happened with her daughter. And on my, on my mom's side, as far as we can go back, that's like early 1700s. And we have a painting of her from that time that still exists. And let me just tell you that the, the picture or, or that, that, that painting is scary as hell because there was some anger and I think pain in, in those eyes. Mm. Uh, but we have like this 200 plus year old painting. Um, and, and I didn't really respect it back. That was a little kid and the painting was scary as hell, but it's, it was like, like this is invaluable. Like, thank God that we were able to, to keep something like this, that the family kept it. And we even know the name of her daughter who was lost to history, could have died. We, we don't know, but we know her name. Um, so that's just, once again, and that's just not me. If y'all don't already have the live access, I guarantee you start doing some digging. Man, y'all be like, what the hell? And then, and, and, and then you dig far back enough and see that your great-great-grandpappy, he had Abai's name. Look, man, you, you might lose it, you know, but in a good way, though. Like, what would your soul say if you were able to find somebody like that? If that, that's your path and that's what you, if you would decide to do that research or something about your family and uncover something like that. And what would that do for so many people, our people, that don't know where they come from, think you just come from slaves and all that kind of stuff. To me, the more and more you understand the, the media nowadays, that's not like a narrative. Mm -hmm. oh, no. And then and, and then guess what they want to tell us that every once in a while, socially, not individuals, but but socially and, and the conditioning, go back to Africa. Why? You got some shit you've been hiding? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we need to go back? Why? Maybe you're just saying, hey, can you finish a process that we tried to start, or at least their ancestors tried to start to get us off this land because it was ours and something did not allow them to destroy us. They couldn't do it. So they ain't gonna be able to do it now. That's why it's a spiritual thing. We gotta figure this thing out and, and, and just come, come, come to know it. So I have these conversations every once in a while when I'm compelled because I think that helps people to, to get excited about the potential of who we, have always been, but to come to to remember that, because just like in, in in the Lion King, like the whole thing with like Simba, like you know you know uh, Rafiki came and found where he was and like you know led him through um, this like little, little jungle area. He was like getting scratched up by all the vines, and he finally got to that little open area with the little pool. And he looked down, and Rafiki said, "Look into the water. Your father's here." He looked down. He only saw his own reflection, and then Rafiki said, "Look harder," but with like a, a much more cool African accent. And he looked again, he saw his dad's face, which I think is your higher self, looked up into the clouds. He said, you, you have, he said, you've forgotten me. And he was like, I will never forget you, dad. He was like, you have forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. They be putting messages in that stuff, man. So y'all done got me on a tangent now. But yeah. I, no, that's a great one, man. <laughs> I think that's like an example and a glimmer of like what's, what's happening in, in our current times and what I think whether you want to call it ancestors or our, our history, whatever's powerful is in our DNA that go beyond athletics, whatever it is, it's like, look, y'all done forgotten it's time to wake up. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just time um, because we've suffered enough. And I think we, we've suffered from lack of knowledge more than anything. Um, because if, if, if you think you come from nothing, like it says in the Bible, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm. So it's not even healthy to think that way. I understand. I understand the narrative. I get it. But damn, what did that do to you psychologically if you think you come from that? And then on top of that, you might not know your father or your mother or has been in a poverty situation from as far as your, your grandmother. You know, like, dang. 
that helped to me that helps to explain what's going on because without without hope the people perish you know what i'm saying like if you just lost in that way spiritually not religiously but spiritually and there's no grounding because learning these things just about my my, like my actual family history it's, it's done something for me i i, I move operate in, in, in a different way because now i know so i'll stop <laughs> no, keep going bro <laughs> no man this is this has been great man this is uh i would say uh we can mark this as a Hall of Fame episode, Dr. Young. We we got Hall of Fame episodes. We can uh, dub this as one of those hanging in the yeah, rafter sure. right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, I don't think we I don't think we planned on talking about, you know, Native American and all this other kind of stuff. But you know, once again, I was a kid that grew up that thought I had any any in my family too. And I remember I was in my early twenties and I was with with my my, my aunts and my aunts are like the, the story for the, for the family on both sides, my mom and my dad's side. And they start telling history and they start showing pictures and records and things like this. And then everything that they were talking about, they were like, and he and she was this and she was from this tribe and this and that. And I was like, I'm not hearing no African. Hold on, wait, 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 wait a minute. I thought the, the understanding was that we had Native in our family and African. But like, well, that's what some of the records say. But then what you guys are describing and talking about is only talking about where they were and the native roots. That's all I'm hearing. So what, which, which one is it? You know, do we, do we, do we have, you know, we former slaves or not? Cause you know, none. and they're like, we actually don't know. And then I start doing more research. And that was like, actually William, based on the record that we can find, like we can see like how they were labeled, but we also know, that they, that they had certain traditions, they they they, they understood the land and, and and certain herbs and that they had that that kind of knowledge. Like, I mean, anybody that works a certain land can know that. I'm not saying you have to be a native enough, but like, huh? Um, there's Indian burial grounds on my grandparents' land to this day. It was just the rocks. It wasn't like because it wasn't like you know the um the 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 headstones, and but they don't know who because it was a label. They don't know who was in there. Mm -hmm. And like great great grandfather just out in the backyard was the traditional Indian burial. It's like, hey, okay. So all these little little, little things led me on on a search, and I, I just encourage everyone. Um, you don't necessarily know how powerful it can be to know who you are at, at a spiritual and historical level. I didn't either, but the research that I've been uncovering and seeing, it gives me a different level of confidence to move in this world, and I feel, in a way that I can't describe, a certain level of protection. I know that I'm good, and I, I've always believed in God. Grew, grew up Christian, and that's a blessing. But there's something just about that bloodline too that uh, I think is also important. So, uh, thank you all for just you know allowing me to to be on and at the very end riff a little bit about you know my my family history and things that I've uncovered. I'm sure people like you know some people are gonna be like, oh man, what are you talking about? No. <laughs> Just, just go and look, find out for, for, for yourself. And if, and if it don't resonate, that, that's, that's okay. But I can tell you once, once I did my research, hell no, I'm not from Africa. I'm not African, but I am native. I am Aboriginal, just like they are on, on their country. And that's a blessing. It's good to know that. And now I know who I am. I, I ain't got to be doing no, no, no surgery. I got to do an ancestry.com to find out where, you know, where I'm from the Horn Africa or from or from, you know, have all my folks from, from Ireland. I didn't know that. Nope. I am where where we've been, and that's good mm -hmm. enough. 
remember that skit from uh, Dave Chappelle where he went back in time in the time machine, uh, the player haters. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Murphy had a, a ancestor that looked just like him. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly like him. Like I, I can only imagine you have someone in your lineage back in a hundred thousands of years ago that were here that looked just like yourself. Like literally from the hair, the goat, the beard, the beard, everything. Like looks exactly like you. That's how powerful uh like our, our bloodline is. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And and, and he, they, they're still with us, right? Exactly. Like I remember some years ago, I remember, I forgot who it was, but somebody was talking about ancestors. As soon as somebody mentioned about ancestors, I was like, all right, you know, there they go. And it's funny, all these years later, I'm like, actually, you know what? I don't remember who said that, but these kind of things just make sense now. Like, it's not a foreign or crazy idea to be able to think about these things. Like, and and how powerful is it going to be as we begin to to remember, first and foremost, just to be connected to our roots again, um, to be connected to a deeper purpose, like me. So this is the best example. And, and, I, and I will say nothing else about this. Me now knowing, and I just found this out a year and a half ago about, and I, I keep on forgetting his name, um, but he, he was, and they know he was a Cherokee chief along the Santee River. To know that uh, just over a hundred years ago, one of, one of my, so my great grandfather was a Cherokee chief. He was a leader in that area. He owned, and he not owned, but, but he led a large territory. He, and he lived through the generation that, that the land through different you know, means was swindled away from him because native didn't do contracts like that. You know, that was a European concept. And to know that, and I'm like, why didn't y'all tell me this? Like, how did y'all know this all these years? I was talking about, it's like, how? He's like, well, I mean, we just, you know, we just forgot. I'm like, okay. So when, so I was down, so, so I was in, I was on the East Coast about a month ago and, and they told me his name and put like this, and this is where I'll stop. When they told me what his name was, it's just like, something hit me. Like, wait, so he was a real, like he was an act, like the feathers and the traditional, hmm. he was like, dang. And for whatever, I keep on forgetting his name. There must be a reason that's happening, so I can. For I need to remember for a reason. But when he told me his name, uh, it started with with an E. But um, I think it was Ethan or something like that, um, which also is a good indicator that some of these names that we think are European aren't, because um, I think it, it, it was it was an it was an American sounding name, but he was the Cherokee chief, and and, mm-hmm. and they weren't you know they weren't overran by Europeans. They still had the land. Um, but something just hit me like I guess I'm gonna sound spooky now but like the ancestor just hit me like boom like you don't remember something you, you, you need to keep on learning um so that's so I am I just encourage other people to whether, whether it does trace back to Africa or the Bahamas or wherever else but once you know I think I, I feel and it's happening to me something changes um, yeah. in, in, in a good way and it's, it's like a whole nother level of pride and accountability i now know that and it just adds to what i know about my family and the men in my family so i gotta be upright i, I gotta live the right kind of way we we literally come from uh you know le- you know leadership 
uh, from our traditional thing that I, I still know not hardly anything about. Um, but I'm going to continue to learn more. Um, and that's something you can stand on in this world. Like you can't just be out here living any kind of way. And your great, great, great grandfather was a Native American chief. That's like knowing your great, great, great daddy was like <laughs> governor of California. You're just going to act, act in a fool. Yeah. What? No, like, no, because, you know, like, it's not a, it's not a mystery. Oh. I'll stop there. Oh, this was dope, man. This yeah. Was man. Dope. Um, if if anybody wanted to like get in contact with you, can you let you know the people know how they could uh, reach you or follow you? Yeah, yeah. So on so on LinkedIn, um, my 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 I think that I have handled on LinkedIn now. It's, it's a William um, B Deck, um, or I, actually, I'm sorry, it's it's, it's William Deck in, in the search engine. But if you use the at symbol, it's at William dot B is in boy dot deck on um, Instagram is the same at William dot B is in boy dot deck D is in David E C K um, and the, the same thing because I have the handle feature on Facebook at William B deck um, and so you know that's you know that's where you can definitely find me um, and um, I'm I'm doing different inspirational posts I'm talking about some of these mindset transformation principles. And I've just revamped my, my social media presence. So I'm now um, taking my, my followers on a journey to, you know, a journey of, of self-discovery. And so it, it's very curated and, and focused now because I want to make sure that I'm adding tangible value that helps to build upon it. So you can go back to the old videos and just kind of, you know, continue to learn. Um, and yeah, if there's any questions, potential opportunities, um, you know, to, to, to work together, to support something I'm doing, for me to support something that, that you're doing, I'm open to all of that. Um, and I'm just very thankful for, <clears throat> for honestly, the challenges that we face as a world over the past year and a half to two years, because I think it's, it's waking a lot of people up and they're asking critical questions about their lives and what they want to do and what they want to be. And even though it's been very challenging, people have died, all kinds of different things. I think it's also an opportunity if we see it as such. And history tells us that in the toughest times, <clears throat> the greatest men and women come forward, the greatest businesses, the greatest opportunities are, are there in the midst of the ashes. And I want people to know that. Don't have your head down. Don't listen to the news. This is the best opportunity, um, spiritually and otherwise, to do something amazing. And so challenge yourself and, and help support one another. And you'd be shocked what the power of these next couple of years as we go through these other tra transitions can be for you in a positive way. And that's what we did. That's why we, that's a big reason we started the business because we understood history. And history says in famines, or in challenging times, economically, whatever else, uh, great things come from the ashes. So I just encourage all of you all to be uh, to, to be that phoenix for your family, rise from the ashes, and go after what you want, what 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 you really want. You know, trust that small, still voice because it's important to do that. And um, yeah, so um, just, yeah, man, connect with me, whatever, whatever. If I can encourage you, if you see something I'm posting. If, if I follow you and you got some dope information or something that, that's inspiring, I'm always learning too, because I'm just trying to do my small part, but I'm going to do that. And everything else that happen as it needs to. Yeah, man. Great stuff, man. Uh, yeah. My last question to you uh, is a question we ask uh, normally at the end. Uh, if you had to give advice to any, any dad that's listening to this right now, what would that be? I would say... Uh, Number one, heal. 
all of us have things that we need to be healed from. And whatever you don't heal from, you're gonna pass on and um, and um, perpetuate that pain and that and that brokenness um, to your children, whether male nor, nor female. So it is important for you as an individual to have the courage to heal or go on the healing journey, mind, body, and spirit. Um, and outside of that, I would just say, uh, trust that small, still voice. You know more than you give yourself credit for. And um, once again, because there is this great power within us, whether we talk about from the historical perspective that we've we, we been talking about at the end or just in, in general, as a being, as a man, you have bigger responsibility and take it seriously. And um, all things are gonna work out for you. Just, just, just trust yourself, be kind, heal. Um, and you'd be surprised how powerful just trusting yourself actually is because that small still voice tends to be calm and it tells you the truth, even if it's not what you wanna hear. And uh, that'll help you a lot. That's your inner guide. Um, some call it the mind of Christ. Other people call it the higher self. Whatever your religious or faith-based perspective, it's the same thing. So trust it, which is really a part of trusting yourself. Be good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Young, did you have uh, anything else? That was uh, that was great. No, I didn't have any more questions. Uh, I just want to say thank you, William, man. You you brought a lot to to the podcast today, man. We, I appreciate you. No, man, I, I appreciate you know you guys having me on, and and uh, you know as I've already said, let me ramble just a little bit at, at the end, um, because once again, man, I, I just for whatever reason, and you know, and I'm a fairly young, I'm 35, but I just have this strong sense for my family, for and for our extended, you know, national and global family. Like it's just time for us to heal and to let you know let truth you know be our guide and i mean being right or wrong or you right and other people are wrong it's just come to that that deep knowing um that i think that i've seen and i think for others is necessary to be able just to let go of a lot of pain that has led us down the wrong path but every path can be made straight again there's still bricks being made right whether it's in intellectually or, or physical, if the road gets messed up, you're going to repair the road. You don't say, well, the road is messed up. I can't get there. And people are keep me from getting there. No. You make your own road or work together with your brothers and sisters and, and make some roads. Um, but all those things we, we, we've been doing anyway, but now we have the power of technology. So leverage it. And I would love to work with others who are just trying to make an impact. I'm trying to do something positive, trying to help get us thinking differently. That, that's, that, that's, that's my focus, as you can tell thinking differently, new ideas. You have to believe what I believe, but if that seed needs to fall in your plot of ground, in your mind, and it germinates and helps to lead you in the right direction, good. Mm. Um, if, 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 if that seed isn't good for you, that's, that's, that's cool too. But there are many things that people that, that I respected and I respect much more now said, initially it seemed like that seed didn't plant, it was like, eh, and whatever, and then one time, one, one, and then at a certain point, you're going to be having a conversation with your son, and he's five and you 40, and something going, and, and the seed is going to sprout up. And you're like, uh oh, my dad was right. My, my, my grandfather was right. My mama was right. Right. So, um, but, 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 but that's life. Seed time and harvest. So it's all good, man. But I'm just very encouraged. And uh, I'm not going to say anything negative about my people. I'm not, I, I don't believe the hype, and I encourage no one else to. If it's negative, it doesn't matter what the reason is or what the facts are. Is that the difference between facts and truth? And truth we have to operate on, especially in these days and time. Facts and statistics are there 
too many times to hurt you and make you think less of yourself. And because the power of the subconscious mind, once you believe it and get it repeating in your head, then you will destroy yourself. But now we have to come and understand truth and, and let whatever that is for us resonate and don't let it be based on externals. It has to be more internally led, what, what feels right, trusting that small stuff. That's why I talk about that a lot because that's the only way many times to, to separate um, falsehood from truth. And no one is one keeper of truth, but um, facts and information and all the other kind of stuff that we've seen on TV and all that kind of stuff. You listen to that stuff if you want to, but it's pretty clear at this point where they're trying to send all of us. Yeah, it ain't nowhere good. So um, don't mess with facts and all that foolishness because um, that's not what ancestors lived off of. They, they, they lived off of universal truths. And that's why they were making it for, we don't even know how long, but we can go back at least about 30,000 years in Egypt and maybe even further based on some of the, the records in, um, in Mexico with, with, with the Omex. So we know we've been here a long time and we just recently got off track. So this is just a little blip in our history and we'll be back on pretty soon. And hopefully it'll start with our generation. Right now. Sure enough. Right damn now. Because that damn TV is a lie. That's the devil, the damn TV. Man. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, this has been great. Uh, William, man, I definitely appreciate you, man. This has been uh, one of my favorites, man. I, I keep saying that, man. We've been on the road, man. The last probably like 10 episodes have been like, oh my God, it keeps getting better and better. So <laughs> definitely glad to have you on and uh, be a, for you to be a part of that, man. It's, it's been amazing. So yes, sir. Uh, definitely kudos to you and what you're doing. Um, for myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and William Deck, please don't hang up. We're going to have a little, little powwow after this, man. A little cool down. Uh, thanks for listening to WTF Interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements. Oh.